Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. Tonight, I am joined by a longtime social media friend. He and I have both been repeatedly canceled by the internet, and we keep coming back. I'm uh, joined by Sam Esfandiari. You may know him from the Light Years podcast on Blue Wire Pods. He is a longtime Twitter guy, really great at irritating people, and it's why we are friends. Sam, how are you? Um, just really excited. I haven't got canceled over the holidays. I'm kind of dealing it's- with a with a little bit of a flu situation. Well, more of a cold or anything. And um, you know, nothing worse than getting canceled when you're sick. No, no. And <laughs> and you know, the basketball, the basketball. You're you're coming off a a heck of a game. Uh, multiple people in the various you know, chat and text threads uh, I'm in saying, "Wait, the the Rockets lost to the Warriors." So, so how, how was how was that game yesterday? Did you have an opportunity to watch that, or was that something that that you kind of caught up on later because you were expecting not a great Christmas Day game? Um, so I was with my family, and obviously I had it on in the background, and I I kind of had the okay, this season's going nowhere, so. I'm not going to watch, you know, if, if the game goes sideways, I'll, I'll, you know, go back and watch it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it went the opposite way. And instead it was actually really cool. Got the whole family around it into it. Cause they, <laughs> they're, they're all into the warriors, but they're all kind of on the, um, you know, well, this season's kind of pointless until Steph sure. and Clay come back. Right. So, sure. um, so it was actually the highlight of Christmas. If anything, everyone was very excited over it. Um, I could not stop laughing because it just never gets old watching the Rockets lose, specifically the Rockets. Um, I I would say most Warrior fans probably felt winning game six over the Rockets last year, the one um, where Steph had 33 in the second half and all that probably meant as much to them as like a championship or anything. Um, so there's just there, there's a long lineage of you know enjoying beating the Rockets more than anyone with this fan base. Sure, sure. Well, so the Warriors are having a little bit of a rough year. They're eight and twenty-four right now. They play. We're recording this uh, on Thursday night. The Mavericks and the uh, the Mavericks and the Warriors play on Saturday night, and I think they yeah. It looks like you guys have a game uh, tomorrow night against Phoenix. And so both teams will, you know, they'll be playing Dallas on the second night of uh, at least a home back-to-back, which is something. So the first time these two teams matched up was really like Ooh. one of the beginning. It was it was a, it was nearly a fifty-point bloodbath. It was one of the many like Mavericks beatdowns where they were on this kind of absurd hot stretch where they were really just beating the tar off of of lesser teams to the point to where I don't really think I paid much attention to the game. So let's talk a little bit about about the players who are of of you know kind of importance at this point in the year. Um, so you know, with Steph Curry out for most of the year uh, and uh, with a broken hand, and with Clay Thompson recovering from the uh, ACL tear that happened in the finals, you're pretty much playing with one star in Draymond Green, who seems to be kind of you know managing his minutes. There's no reason to burn that guy out. And then who else is, is, is kind of around this year? So if I remember correctly, D'Angelo Russell didn't play that game. He did um, not. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Green had a, a heel issue, and Russell had a sprained right thumb. I, d- I remember that game because it, it tipped off at five local time. 
And by the time I got to turn it on, it was already over. It was already like 40 to eight or something ridiculous like that. That was the game that the, it was Mavs had a 44 point first quarter uh, where Luca outscored the entire team. And, uh, and, and it just kind of went downhill from there. So, yeah, so you, uh, obviously I can't believe I forgot about D'Angelo Russell coming over. So so how's his season going to date? I know he's missed a bunch of games, but is that is that, you know, is he missing games because the he shouldn't be playing, you know, the, the Warriors are kind of, you know, resting dudes, or did he have a legitimate injury? Two minor injuries that the Warriors took, uh, well, they gave him the most possible time for. So he sprained his ankle, and – I think he probably could have played after a week, but they let him sit two weeks for that mm-hmm. sprained ankle. And the second time he he sprained his wrist, his shooting wrist, and they gave him about three weeks for that. So it was like five games and then eight games missed. Um, neither were serious. Both were real injuries. Both were subject to their season being kind of – about development where they're like, I, we don't really need to rush him back to get two extra games in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was a play, if, if they were, if they're going for the playoffs, I'm willing to bet he plays five more games so far this season. So instead of having missed 12, he'd have missed six or seven. Right. right. Um, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag <laughs> with him. And that's mostly because he's not a Steve Kerr player. He's not really? the type of player. He's not the type of guy Steve Kerr likes, um, and it's mostly because the ball sticks with him. Um, I don't think I don't think he's uncoachable or anything. Actually, the 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 word is quite the opposite. But like, if you've watched D'Angelo Russell, you know he he does kind of like a poor man's James James Harden impression. He loves to dribble the ball around, shoot those step backs, and operate out of pick and roll. Um, Kerr, obviously, I mean, you, you've watched the Warriors over the last five years. He wants the ball hopping around, ball movement, players cutting, all sorts of stuff. So he's really experimented with the way he's used D'Angelo Russell. Like earlier in the year, he was playing him off ball. That wasn't working. Steph got hurt. He let him just run pick and rolls. D'Angelo Russell got 52 against the Wolves, followed it up with like 38 in a game, and was just kind of doing his thing, but nothing else was happening on the team um and then the last few weeks he's been kind of i don't want to say move back off ball but they've kind of found this balance where he's slowly starting to get it kind of how to operate from off ball angles and do some of this some of the same stuff that steph curry does where he kind of gives the ball up, runs off a screen, gets it back, and then you know makes a decision whether he's going to attack the rim or shoot it. Uh-huh. Um, so, so that's been a little bit of a process. It's still a question whether they're going to keep him or not. I mean, half the people around the Warriors think he's just a, a trade asset, and they're thinking of it in like the most cold terms. The Warriors, on the other hand, are saying all the opposite. I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I have no doubt they'll trade him if they get something to their liking, but I don't think they're just going to trade him for the sake of it. Sure, sure. So that's the first part. Other than that, um, the rest of the roster, uh, their first-round pick, Jordan Poole, is completely unplayable. And I don't really? think they wanted – I don't think they wanted to play him all year. <laughs> but uh, you watched him a little bit? 
I have a little bit, but I didn't know unplayable was a word when, when I didn't know, is he just not ready or is he not, what, what's, what's yes, really he's not, he's 27% from the field with uh, 30 games under his belt. So that's the problem. He's, he can't, he just can't hit a shot. Um, and I don't think they wanted to play him this much so far, but I mean, they were down to eight healthy bodies and that counted two two-way players for about a, a month there. So didn't really have a choice. Um, you know, I, now he can go back down to the G league and kind of, you know, get his confidence back. So he's out of the rotation. Um, Eric Pascal, their second round pick who kind of had some, some big games earlier in the seasons hit that rookie wall. I think sure. on Christmas, he might've played 10 total minutes. He's moved back to the bench. Um, uh, he's still, he's, he's playing more like a regular rookie, some good games, some bad. Um, and then beyond that, over the last few games, they're, they're on a three game winning streak now, which feels like a big deal. Um, Steph Curry's brother-in-law, Damian Lee has moved into the starting lineup and, He's been a big bolt of uh, lightning for them. Just someone who plays with a bunch of energy. Isn't he a two-way um, contract guy? Or am I making that yeah, up? Yeah, he is. Wow. No, he is. So they're they're depending heavily on two-way guys. Like, every, I think they want to keep Lee and Bowman, uh, their other two-way guy, but they don't mm-hmm. know. They have to trade someone because they're hard-capped. Getting D'Angelo Russell hard-capped them, and they just, they just don't have the um, – they can't even fit a, a vet minimum under the hard cap at this point. They would need to move a contract for nothing to be able to give one of them a full NBA contract. Yeah, and I'm looking at the roster here. There's guys like uh, Omari Spellman, who is one of my favorite summer league players of all time because he came into his his second summer league. So this this last summer, before he was traded, I believe, I think he was still a member of the Hawks at this point, looking like three bills easy. I have never seen – it was like watching uh, – like going back to the 90s with some of the really heavier guys who played, just a guy who did yeah. not take care of his body at all. Is he playing – is he getting any minutes? Yeah, actually, he's got himself back into shape. Um, so when camp opened, that was the big thing. He needs to get, you know, quote-unquote, keep the pounds off. Um, and now I think he's down at 260 or 250. He That's looks in incredible. reasonable shape. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know how how dudes can just fluctuate 50 pounds. Like, well, I guess I do. I, I take that back. But um, um, he's he's in decent shape. He's playing a little bit. Um, honestly, Marquise Chris has been better than him. So uh, recently, Marquise Chris has been playing more. Uh, Willie Collie Stein starts. And Omari Spellman's kind of the third big in the rotation, uh, but the only one who's a semi-reliable shooter. So mm-hmm. he's he still gets in the rotation. They, um, I, I don't know. He plays with. He's bringing a lot of energy these days. So he's been he's been kind of a, a nice little a nice little find for them. So. You know, when when this level of catastrophic injuries happens to a team paired with like Kevin Durant, you know, going ahead and moving on to the Nets after his own ridiculous injury, is it, you know, is it mainly about finding, you know, what guys might be able to fit with the other core pieces? Because it's it's really funny. The the Warriors might just be having, you know, the the blip one down season, and if they get the right guy in the draft this year, they're going to be back to being in the playoffs immediately. That's the sort of 
you know, bonus that comes with having two of probably the best five shooters in NBA history on the same team at the same time. So it's really just about finding, you know, guys that will fit with the with the greater part of the the whole and then just kind of, you know, slogging through the rest of the season. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I don't they're, – they're essentially trying to acquire as many assets as they can in the, in the most uh, uh, simplistic terms. See, see which of these guys can play. And then also, um, Alec Burks has been really good for them. I, think I like Burks in college. Yeah, he's kinda, he kind of looks like that um, – the, the, the best version of the guy you saw once every five games in Utah. You know yeah. how you'd see him every time in Utah have like 18 to 20 points? Like, oh, he's, he's turning the corner. He's going to be a reliable contributor, and then he just kind of disappears. Uh, he's yes. been a pretty reliable contributor for the Warriors. And so I don't know. I think they might, you know, he, he could be a piece for them next year as kind of a bench scorer, or they could flip him for, for some picks and just kind of start, you know, kind of kind of a stockpile of picks to – then be able to make trades for the players they really want. So, I mean, that's really what it is for them this year. Um, you know, I I like a, something about most of the guys on the roster, but, like, they can't keep them all. And sure. you really – like, most of these guys are – most of these guys are ninth to 15th men on, on playoff caliber NBA rosters. How many of those do you really need? You need, like, four to five, right? So um, – so that's kind of where they're at with this. So, like, at some point they're going to start making some decisions. But, hey, I mean, they beat Houston on Christmas. That's all that matters right now. <laughs> so I have two more, like, kind of roster-related questions um, for very different guys. First, how is Draymond Green handling the season? Um, you know, because he's such a, you know, I guess I would call him mer- mercurial at best uh and and you know kind of borderline lunatic at worst so how is he handling this kind of season because i bet he's not ever lost like this in his career he had a quote after the houston game where he uh he said i don't think i've ever been this happy after two regular season wins in my life (laughs) um so he's he was uh he was super super grumpy earlier in the season now he's kind of a little more i don't want to say taking it in stride but it's kind of like the reality set in. Um, Christmas was his best game of the season. Not even looks a question. Like, looks just, like a, just like um, kind of a, a box uh, box score filling kind of game for him. Yeah, and I'm just talking energy level. He was um, he was doing he's doing the thing he's best known for, where you're like, it feel like he's guarding four guys at once. He was doing that for most of the game, and you know, it's probably because it was the bit the last big national TV game they're going to have this year. You know, after this game, no one's going to care about what the Warriors do until stuff comes back. Um, so maybe it's some of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been a mixed bag. The, the biggest disappointing – the most disappointing part is his shot has not come around. Um, one thing Kerr was saying earlier in the year was, you know, hey, with all these guys out, Draymond's going to get more shots, and we really want him to – take him because it's important he you know gets his shot working again because we're going to need that when we get everyone back and it just hasn't happened yeah yeah it's kind of his shot is is really interesting to watch then the last guy i wanted to know about and this is really for for people who are deep in nba minutia 
the Warriors acquired a guy to their G League team last year. I want to make I don't know if I can say his name correctly. Uh, the first name's obviously Alan. Alan Samalajic. How do you how do you say the last name? Samalajic. Okay, Smiley. I'm not even going to try to repeat that one. But basically, the the story behind that I recall was that he got on the team in a really the Warriors kind of kind of pulled some some rule trickery to make sure he ended up on their G League team to where they have the it, do they have his right? I mean, he's obviously he's, a, he's playing for the for the Warriors now, so they they clearly acquired his rights. And it, it, he was kind of seen in, in NBA circles, if I'm remembering the story correctly, as a key guy, uh, uh, potentially, you know, someone who is super skilled and very interesting. How has he been, you know, in, in the limited minutes so far? So he hasn't even played for the big club yet, um, but he's been dominant in the G League, um, something in the range of 25 points, like three three-pointers. Um, he's really interesting. He's 6'10", um, tries to dunk on everyone, and can step out and hit threes at, I think he's at 44% right now in the G League, for whatever that means. But obviously, big man who is super energetic around the rim and can hit threes. I mean, that's the that's the basis for a, a very interesting player. Um, but let me give you the background. This is a little more interesting. Um so, yeah, he came over to their G League team last year. No one really knows the circumstances all that well. I do know the Warriors scouted him in some under-16 or under-18 tournament in um, in Serbia. And uh, he's Serbian, by the way. Um, and, um, you know, they, they can't offer him money to come over to the G League, but he decided he wanted to come to the G League because he wanted to play in the NBA. I'm I'm still waiting for you know some sort of scandal to to come out regarding that. Um, <laughs> then he had to go, then he had to go through the draft. They hid him most of last year. For example, he didn't play in the G League showcase because they didn't want other GMs to see him. Um, they played him limited minutes and they coded it with the idea that he's only 17 or 18 and they don't want to, you know, overplay him. They they did the the thing that European clubs do with with their top prospects where they try to like hide them so teams can't see them right. anyway he still has to he still has to go through the draft because the warrior because it's it's a well-known it, it's it's like the worst kept secret the warriors really wanted to keep him because they valued his potential uh the pelicans drafted him and the warriors ended up having to trade like two future seconds to get his rights back so so they're really in a situation at this point where the the cards fall the right way next year they could be a top four team in the west again without it'll be like this season didn't even happen yeah i mean i that's definitely how they're operating me i'm a little on the fence like i don't see a scenario where they're not a playoff team next year um whether they thread the needle with the rest of the roster that's to be seen there's there's a realistic chance it's Steph at age 32, Clay off an ACL, you know, maybe not, you know, maybe he's rusty for half the year, right? You're watching a, you're watching a big man off an ACL with the yep. Mavericks, and he's certainly been hit or miss for you guys for most of the year. Um, and then, and then obviously, I mean, Draymond does what Draymond does, and uh, who knows how D'Angelo Russell fits with all that. So, like, the question is, like, it's not like it's, 
it's 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 not going to be 2014 or 2015 all over again where you had like an Andrew Bogut and Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, like all these like just very reliable veteran players. Like the the, the rest of the roster is a complete unknown at this point. Sure, sure. Well, we somehow talked about more Warriors than I ever thought possible, but I'm actually really interested in the team. You know, you and I both watch a lot of basketball, and part of why we, you know, enjoy talking to one another is because you, like me, were in very early on on Luka Doncic. So why don't you, you know, kind of give me your thoughts on what you've seen from this team this year? Because for me, I'll tell you this much, I have somehow not missed a single game. I have watched all 30 of their regular season games, and I watched all of their horrendous preseason basketball. They've become appointment viewing for me, and I just I, I find a way to clear my schedule, or I'm watching on my phone. Pretty sure my wife's going to cut me at some point, but it's just they're too interesting <laughs> for me. So, uh, so with with your team kind of being on the rocks, are the Mavericks one of your teams that uh, one of the teams you're kind of you know at least finding time for here and again? Oh, absolutely. One one thing I will say, I. They're so much better than I thought they would be. And Luke is even better than I thought he would be. Like, obviously, after his rookie year, it was very clear he was a superstar in the making. I didn't have 30, 10, and 10 in his second year as, like, what I expected. So just the whole thing coming together as quickly and cohesively as it has is caught me off guard. Um, and, I, and I just have to keep watching him. Um, I don't know. Tim Hardaway Jr. has also been surprising for me because he's been uh, – has he been your guys' like second or third best player? It feels like it like half the times I watch. That he's like one of the three or – He's um, got to be the guy – he's basically the guy where if he has a good game, the Mavs have a great game. I wouldn't say they need him to win, but when he is scoring I, – I feel like – I saw some stat a couple weeks ago that, that they're – They've lost very few games where he scores 20 points. Uh, when, when you got a guy like Luca, obviously things are a lot easier, but he's right. been the most willing shooter. It's very odd because the other guards on the bench, Seth Curry, um, Jalen Brunson, DeLon Wright, some of these guys who are getting the ball off of Luca kickouts, they're just not that comfortable um, shooting the ball. It's very odd to me, you know, even Seth Curry of all people doesn't seem to want to fire away when he gets, you know, playing with Luca as much. So uh, Hardaway has a really you know, specific role in that his lack of conscience is somehow an asset. Yeah, I was going to say Seth, um, Seth might suffer from the same thing Steph is where they, they've been called a shooter their whole life that they like almost want to prove that they have more game than just shooting. Like he wants to show he can create plays for others. Well, by the way, that assist to Luca tonight was really nice. But um, but st- stuff like that. Um, to your point on Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, do you feel like he shoots the, the games he shoots better is because the Mavs are moving the ball particularly well, or is it just more of he's gunning and some games he's just a flamethrower? It's some games he's just a flamethrower. It, it it's pretty ridiculous because he he has games where he shoots. You know, he he went through one stretch where he shot a legitimate five of 27 from the field over a two game stretch and he just kept firing. (laughs) It's he's really remarkable in in how he's playing. I I do think that Luca is really getting him much better looks than he's gotten before, which is the key reason why. 
but it's it's kind of ridiculous. I, I I don't know if they would even trade him at this point. Yeah, I'm shocked Luca gets him better looks than Frank Milikina. Big you big know, time surprise there. It is, but you know the guy has has had an has had an interesting career because he he does have you know he had that one outlier season in Atlanta where he shot the ball really well. I'm just I'm really curious as to if he understands what a good shot is. Uh, you know the Mavericks have all you know Seth Partnow just tweeted something about uh, like a minute or two ago. He said the Mavs have or I guess it was about an hour ago. The Mavs have the most efficient offense in the league by a full point and a half. The discussions should start with what they're doing a lot more right than wrong and including how they're utilizing their best players. And that's really what's interesting with guys, you know, from Luca to Porzingis down to Tim Hardaway Jr. They would probably like Hardaway Jr. to shoot a lot of um, a lot more threes, but he's shooting something right. close to 50% on these long twos. So the fact that Carlisle's at least wise enough to, to let his guys do what they do best is what has been so useful uh, and really surprising because he's, you know, traditionally such a, uh, a control freak. So I, you know, it's, it's been really fun to watch because I knew they would be um, competitive. I did not think they would be, they're going to, they're about to beat the Spurs here and they're going to be 20 and 10 and they have at least five games where they either hand, you know, gave the ball away or absolutely got hosed by the refs. Um, Shout out to the uh, very first Lakers game and our, and our good friend, Mr. Rangula. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of where I am with them right now. I'm really excited about most games. Yeah, I mean, they, they are one of – I'd put them, the Bucks. Um, what else I got to throw in there? Um, I, I'd actually probably put those two teams as, like, the ones I need to watch the most this year, or in terms of, like, teams I look to, to watch the most, most, uh, most league pass, so to say. Um, what I was going to say on Tim Hardaway Jr., um, Andrew Bogut used to always say this about Clay Thompson. He said Clay Thompson was the uh, barometer for if we were moving the ball well. If he was shooting well, it was because we we're moving the ball well. So anytime Clay had a good game, that was like really the sign of success for the Warriors uh, because Steph was going to do what he did and like other guys were going to do what they did. But like sure. Clay was the one who was most dependent on the other teammates. Yeah, I, 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 oh my gosh, sorry, I'm, we're watching the end of the Spurs, I'm watching the end of the Spurs-Mavs game, right. and just watching how the ball moves is, is just not something I'm used to, because I'd gotten so used to kind of the drudgery of basketball, you know, following as right. the Mavs like slowly collapse, so this is, this season has, has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, so the Mavericks play the Warriors Saturday night, do we have anything else that, that we need to hit on? That you know, d- d- we're both real hoopers. That's something that's very important that I think the world needs to know. I'm really amused. No agenda. I'm really amused by how many people <laughs> who don't like. Let's just talk about that because the people who are going to listen to this podcast are people who primarily agree with me. And frankly, I don't give a shit if I piss off any of these these borderline xenophobic morons. Why is this <laughs> a thing in 2019 that people don't care for a guy who is? an outstanding offensive basketball player. That's what he is. He's not a good defensive player. He's very limited. Uh, he might get there one day, but it's it's just a very strange thing. So, like, why is this a thing in 2019? Or is it primarily just an internet, the internet being ridiculous? I think it's an internet thing, but um, I don't think it has anything to do with him not playing defense. No. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, um, 
it's it's the weird internet kids who want to project a certain type of coolness and I mean, you saw the same thing with Steph Curry. You see the same thing with like Giannis. They don't fit into the mold of how um, a cool kid should be. So sure. we got to make fun of them, right? That's really what it comes down to, to me. And like, there's levels of xenophobia to it, but it's like, I mean, Luke is goofy, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I find that, I find that charming about him. Like he's kind of, um, I mean, he's, he's always kind of smiling, kind of like, you're, you're kind of like, I don't know, dude, this guy looks like he's 20 pounds overweight. And then, and he just drops like 40 on you all the time. And, um, and I feel like that's like part of his charm, right? Like it's similar to like the little guy where like, oh, this guy can't beat my team. And then he just, you know, scores big. Um, the younger American basketball players at the moment, the ones who, you know, you have, you have Jason Tatum, who I think has kind of found himself a lot more in his third year now that he's not surrounded by, you know, frankly, the, the stuff about Kobe Bryant is not under, under, under discussed. He, he played like Kobe for a reason and then played like crap for a season. He's getting better, but I think there's a, and then there's Trey young who, you know, this will come more to the forefront, but his teammates must not be able to stand playing with him because he doesn't play defense at all. He actively doesn't care. And then he shoots a lot of terrible shots, you know, that, and and it's the stuff that gets on highlight reels. I think that 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 part of the issue with some of these non-American born players is the fact that there aren't really any outstanding American basketball players under the age of 25 right now. They're all, Oh, yeah, foreign born players. That's a real thing. Let's let's run let's run through it. Devin Booker might be the best American under twenty five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um he's fine. He's really good. Uh but like you know, if that's the if that's the future of American hoops, you know, it's it's not quite the same as having like a generation dominated by, I don't know, just list Hall of Famers, right? Yeah. Um D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell, fine player. Um, you know, he's nowhere near as good as like Luca or Ben Simmons or Giannis or any of the non-American under 25. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw it in the Olympics with the U.S. You know, you, you, all the older players didn't want to go and they send kind of a – they sent a younger team and I'm just like, you know, there's like a couple good players on this team, but no one, no one who stands out. I mean, I think that is a big issue that most of the best young players – Actually, all the best young players under 25 are non-American. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Like, there's Jokic, there's Towns, there's Doncic, there's Simmons. The the that's that's some you know some of them. Donovan Mitchell's another very good guy. I think Zion Williamson is going to make a case. Same for Darren Fox, but really, you know, and maybe Jaron Jackson Jr. But really, the the guys sure. who are going to be stars for the next five years, like the the. The post in, in the post LeBron era, the the guys who are you know aging into their late twenties and then early thirties, a lot of them are not American, and I think that makes people a little bit uncomfortable. And you know, there's reasons for that. I don't really want to you know harp on it too much, but it it is it is why the league is expanding. You know, trying some of these you know weekend matinee day games. They want to expand around the world. I do think a lot of casual fans like these players I don't think that's necessarily an issue but I do think that there's there's kind of a class of 
of, you know, NBA fan who is just not really comfortable with it because there's really not that next dominant American force. Now, I, I do think that that will come back around at some point. I mean, I, I, for one, hope Zion Williamson is an absolute superstar because watching him play in college was a riot. Yeah, and I, I on, to, on your point with um, American fans, like, I, I, I think they just need to be presented to American fans, too. Agreed. Um, it's weird, you know. I I don't know anyone who wouldn't find Giannis or Luca incredibly likable and fun to watch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to actually market them because, uh, unlike Zion, who we all saw at Duke, and we're all waiting to see in the NBA, you know, most people in America, you know, weren't watching Real Madrid, you know, EuroBasket, or didn't really know where. Giannis came from or anything like that so there needs to be extra work on the NBA side to actually make them stars you know mm-hmm. the, the the other the other ones you know like LeBron known since a teenager like Steph Curry we all saw him at Davidson Kevin Durant everyone saw him at Texas and then you know coming into the league etc right no that's true with when you have as many guys that are injured as they are right now it can make things feel a little worse than they actually are. I mean, I, for one, am enjoying the basketball as much as I've ever enjoyed the basketball. I, I do know that there's a little bit of monotony with these guys playing, you know, three-point uh, uh, ball so much. But, you know, M- the Mavericks are an outlier offense. But what that says to me is, is you know, given enough creative coaching, uh, which really might be more of the problem than anything, that these teams can really – you know, come out of nowhere and make bigger strides than what we've seen. I think that there's a, you know, there, the talent distribution is sometimes a little bit eh for the, for the NBA, but you know, this year we're seeing what happens with, you know, a few injuries there's, and, and, and what can happen with, uh, with teams that are given the opportunity to really, to really, you know, put the ball in the hoop. And I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. I do think next year is going to be absolutely bananas. It'll be one of the, I think next year stands to be like, what the what we thought the West would be this year, which was like twelve teams competing for eight spots, which is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too much onto next year, but I mean, hopefully the Warriors are back next year, and um, it should be. I mean, I think the biggest thing I no one accounted for this year was mm-hmm. most of these teams are new, which means there's going to be a lot of ugly basketball. I mean, Dallas is meshing really well. Uh, but we didn't even touch on the fact that, like, Porzingis it still looks like he, he's, like, barely scratching the surface of how good he can be, Yeah. right? Now, how are they going to look once he's a year off the ACL and they have even more chemistry? You know, they can get to another level, if not. And that's ignoring the fact that, you know, Luka's going to probably get better every year for the next, I don't know how many years, right? Because he's only 20. Right. Um, you know, the Clippers um, are my – pick to win it all this year but like how much scarier are they going to be once they've already been together one year and they're going into a second year uh and on down the line yeah yeah i'm really excited i think i think ball is in a good place i just think it needs to be sold and marketed a little bit better i think that the league needs to the league really needs to get with its partners you know i I just watched this the spurs and and magic game or uh, mavericks game and every single player associated with the broadcast has no idea how Dallas is good. And they're talking about post-up and touches and enforcing a will. And frankly, that, a bunch that's of my people. least, that's my least favorite thing. Like it's very obvious 
why Dallas is good. Now, yeah. if you want to get into it in detail, it's not as obvious, and that takes a little more nuance. But, like, a, the casual person should be able to explain. Um, Luka Doncic is one of the three or four best playmakers in the league. They put the ball in his hands. They space really well around him, and they defend as a unit. It's pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty non-complicated on, like, the most basic level. Now, you can go into it as deep as you want, but, like, I, I think you agree with me. I don't need these studio shows to pull up the chalkboard and, like, you know, give me the, give me the deep X's and O's. I just need them to, like, coherently understand or explain what's going on, on the TV screen. Exactly. And there's a lot of it that they don't seem to know what happens. I mean, Chris <laughs> Webber was calling for repeated KP post-ups and said that he was a better post player than Dirk. Like those things are not true. And I need, you know, I, I know as an in-depth, you know, kind of super fan, I know a lot of what's happening, but in order to create a better generation or a newer generation of fans, you have to have people, you know, behind the mic and in front of the television that like the product that's on the screen. And the league really needs to do a better job at that. Obviously these guys enjoy watching Luca, but there's just more to sell to the game than, than what they're seeing. You know, they, they don't seem to really like aspects of, of how the game is played now. And that's just the, it's just confusing for me. You and I could probably talk about these specific things. And maybe I think we, we should more over the summer once we see yeah. how the finals goes down, because I mean, I, I the league is, 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 you know, in a little bit of a, uh, of a of a way station where they're waiting for you know guys to come back for injury and things that we've already mentioned. So I think some of this ends up taking care of itself. But if if the league can't take advantage of the fact that the basketball is really good, then it's gonna be kind of strange, you know, to see to see where the league goes in the coming years. Do you uh, have anything else Mavs related that you'd like to get off your chest before I stop taking up uh, too much of your Thursday evening? Yeah, Matt. I need the Mavs to not win or to not blow the Warriors out by 50 points. Okay, um, you like to see like a good game. game. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to the game on Saturday. I'm pretty excited to see Luca in person. Um, you know, I'll, I'll report back to you with my in person, my in person takes. I don't know. I don't know if you're you're like me, but like I always get a different appreciation or notice different things in person um, than when I watch it on TV. Absolutely. Uh, which is, I don't like watching on TV, but like in person, you just notice some weirder nuanced things that you, you couldn't possibly see on camera. Um, so I'm excited for that. And, you know, obviously uh, won't be able to do that as much if, if they're up by 40 at the end of the first and he only plays 15 minutes. Sure. Sure. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I will, uh, you know, share all, all your information so people can f- hear your hot takes and, and follow you on social media. Thank you for coming on. Hopefully I will have, I should, but we should definitely try to do this again at some point in the year. Absolutely. Um, I'll right. talk to you soon. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, everybody. This has been Kirk Henderson with Kirk, your enthusiasm. Everyone have a good day.